Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Um, Zach looks good. Uh, he's definitely hit the weight room. Looks beefy. Uh, <laughs> uh, in a good way. In a good way. He's uh, definitely filled out. So, uh, uh, But he's still got all his looseness and, and throwing the football and zip and all that stuff. So he's uh, he looks good. A lot of guys look good. Oh, that, oh, that must have been uh, Robert Sala. It was. There you go. Zach Wilson he's talking about. By the way, did you see the Tua throw today? Heard about it. Like, hey, social media. Like, I mean, just because he threw it to Tyreek Hill, like, that's great. I get it. But, I mean, <laughs> it wasn't a good throw. He underthrew him. Like I said, is it a punt? Yeah, you fried him. I mean, it did look like it. Yeah, it wasn't great. I'll give it to you. It was not a banner throw. Absolutely. I don't know why we're posting it, but. That's what I'm saying. It's like, come on, pick out a good play. Like, give us a 10-yard slant route if you want to do that. Yeah, I agree but, with that. I mean, if you're just going to throw one straight up in the air and he has to go run up and get it. I mean, there ain't nothing to brag about. Social media is a dangerous place. I made it more dangerous today. Like, tweeting, what a, was you, that a punt? You really did, taking shots. And then, by the way, I have people that said, no, it was a pass. Like, really? Like, they actually thought like I was serious. Either that or they were kidding. And I think they're serious. One of the two. I don't know which one. Um, Brent Martineau here. Casey Kurtz as well. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Uh, we are at the UNF Softball Complex. What a beautiful week, beautiful day. The Ospreys going to the fifth inning up one nothing. This pitching staff has been terrific all year, and uh, they continue to dazzle again today against Kennesaw State. Have nine outs to get to advance in the A-Sun tournament hosted by UNF and by Jacksonville University. Uh, we've talked already in the last couple of days a little bit about this Josh Lambeau situation, and we got to bring in the experts for this. And I uh, appreciate John Phillips jumping on and, and talking uh, about the Josh Lambeau lawsuit. I, it's not like he is the lawyer involved in the lawsuit, but he obviously has more expertise than we do. John, I hope you're doing well, man. I've seen you a little bit on social media on this topic, and uh, we texted back and forth a little bit about it. What do you make out of the lawsuit? Did you see this coming from Lambeau against the Jaguars? Well, obviously, beautiful weather out there for you today, by the way, Brett. Absolutely. Um, you know, I... Obviously, back late fall, they made a splash about, about you know, when Urban was fired, about what effect Josh Lambeau's alleged uh, incident with fire where he was kicked. Yeah, it kind of made some waves, but that was, you know, that was pretty much that. And then right at the edge of the, the news day at 451, uh, a complaint filed against not just not, not Coach Meyer at all, but the Jaguars under a unusual whistleblowing uh, statute saying that Josh Lambeau was actually fired not because of missing kicks, but because of uh, him calling out, um, reporting Coach Meyer for abuse. And ultimately, the allegations in there are such that he's claiming emotional distress for what Coach Meyer did. So... It is all in, it is all interesting. It is all unusual. Um, you know, I know Josh Lambeau 
a little bit and some of his, you know, other issues going into the last couple of seasons from a divorce to, to some personal issues have, have made the rounds in the gossip columns. Um, and and what's, what's, what's unfortunate is when you make claims for emotional distress, all of that becomes part of the court. So it's, you know, not only is he putting his, his past and other issues that emotionally distressed him at issue, but he's got to take the unique position that he was so damaged by Urban Meyer that it essentially ruined his season and ruined his career, which just kind of shows him to be emotionally fragile in the court of law, I guess. Yeah, so John Phillips with us, by the way, and how ironic is the news that just now came out the Jacksonville Jaguars have waived kicker Matthew Wright, uh, the kicker that took the job of Josh Scobie last season and made the kick to win the game in London. I'm oh, sorry, Josh Scobie, Josh Lambeau. Uh, sorry, Scobie. Um, and, and so that news just came out. Jags waived Matthew Wright. But this story today is about Josh Lambeau suing the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, and John, I guess there's a... From our standpoint, like the legal system, I guess, takes care of itself. Is there, outside of $3.5 million, is there anything to gain in this for for Josh Lambeau? And, and I guess that's what caught me by surprise because Urban Meyer had been fired. Uh, it seemed like, in a weird way, Lambeau was somewhat of a hero to the fans. And right. now you're telling us, too, that, hey, some other things could come out depending on how deep this thing goes. Um you know, who knows what comes out? Who knows what skeletons are out there for anybody? Um, but now you open those kind of wounds up potentially. And is there anything to be gained outside of the, the dollars for a guy like Josh Lambeau here? I just see it. And, and I, I don't, you know, I'm a Jaguar season ticket holder. And I, I've, 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 I've known, you know, Josh on and off, not, not well, but for, for a couple of years, few years. Um, we did a, a hand sanitizer charity thing together, but so, I mean, I'm I don't really care who who wins or loses necessarily, but I don't get it. Um, you know, first of all, there's a collective bargaining agreement that generally prohibits players from from using state or federal litigation in this situation for a salary dispute. So that's going to be motion to dismiss number one, which is only going to you know, create more legal fees and issues. Now, I'm sure he found a, a lawyer that will take it on contingency. But it, it, I just, I don't see, you know, when, when somebody's kind of bought a house in Jacksonville and has decided, okay, well, the NFL didn't work out for me last season, maybe I'll just take other opportunities. I, I don't see how suing your former employer and doing so in kind of, I don't know, emotionally, like couching everything in emotional fragility or distress is going to help other opportunities, certainly not with the NFL. And so I don't, I don't really get it at all, either as a, as a lawyer or as somebody that does, you know, celebrity PR. John Phillips with us. Appreciate taking a couple minutes. Won't keep you much longer, but, um, you know, it is interesting you said that about his career. See, I thought his career really ended last year when he made those accusations against Urban Meyer at the time. Um, 
I wasn't sure of that, especially given what then transpired with Urban Meyer. But I do think this, I think he probably knows his career is done and he's done with it. And uh, again, three and a half million dollars is a lot of money. So, uh, but the weird part about all that is that he actually stayed on the roster longer than most people thought he would. Urban Meyer kept him on. So why was that? Was that because of the situation? Was he trying to get him right? Like, you just don't know. I mean, it's almost soap opera-esque in that regard. Uh, but as we talk about these situations, the Jags have a situation now with Urban Meyer where they're trying to obviously not pay him as much as he, he is owed. And I know you're not privy to a lot of these talks, but and now this one with Lambeau, do these things kind of end in settlement usually? Uh, or do they go the distance or get thrown out? Like, uh, is there a trend um, or percentage play here that how these things will end up? Well, that's, and that's what's unusual about this one is usually they're done kind of in the closed closed door meeting rooms or arbitration rooms of the NFL and NFLPA. And to drag this into, you know, a public lawsuit is just asking for dismissal one, but, but for the Jaguars not to be inclined to, to, you know, to, to settle. Um, you know, the, 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 I finally read the complaint today because it was filed so late it didn't make it um, in the core. They filed it after the clerk's office closed, essentially. And it, it's, it's pretty sensational. And look, I, 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 everybody, everybody who knows anything about me knows I'm not afraid to litigate in the public. I, I'm not afraid to release things to the media. But usually you file it first. And, and it's, it's, it's unusually being dealt with, but Josh Lambeau is an unusual guy. I just, I keep going back to the fact that I hope he was advised what making an emotional distress claim really means when it comes to depositions and discovery. And if other things caused you emotional distress, I mean, people see it in car wreck cases where all of a sudden their relationship with their wife is now being litigated by some insurance defense law. And those are $50,000 car wreck cases. You better believe the Jaguars are going to pull no punches for several million dollars. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, John Phillips, one last question. Are you the Tiger King guy? I am the Tiger King guy. <laughs> it's how often, how often do you get that question? It's, it's, you know, between Jordan Davis and the Tiger King and Omarosa versus Trump, people, people pick one and be like, oh, by the way, are, are you that guy? But Tiger King has been, you know, has been has been a big one. And, you know, obviously we went to the NFL draft and about halfway through the draft, um, some, especially the Cincinnati Bengals fans, kind of figured it out. And so, you know, next thing we know, we're getting, you know, questions from Cincinnati Bengals fans. Hey, is Joe Exotic really like the Bengals? And, and I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, like I can pick up the phone and ask him, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, man, appreciate you jumping in. It's, it's kind of a weird thing always for us to talk the, the legalese of, of what's going on. It's probably complex enough for you that know it well, uh, especially for us that don't. So appreciate you jumping in, trying to clarify, and, and maybe we'll revisit uh, down the road. We'll see where this thing ends up. Sounds good. All right, man. John Phillips uh, joined us at Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. And by the way, uh, they might have been cheering uh, J- uh, John Phillips, but they actually were cheering a heck of a play on a bunt out uh, by Kennesaw State. And uh, 
who was that? Uh, Avionette, I think, at the hot corner there, making a heck of a play. They just reviewed it over at first, and it's out. So two outs, runners on second and third for Kennesaw State. Ospreys cling to a one nothing lead. And this right here is the game of softball. Trust me, as a dad who knows, this is what happens. There's reviews? Well, there are re- reviews, but also you have to be able to work out of jams in softball. And they're... And, you know, there's a lot of them. Morgan Clausen uh, trying to work out of the latest one. She's been phenomenal, only giving up four hits. But uh, this could be the decisive moment in this game here in the ASUN softball tournament. Osprey's up one nothing, two outs, fifth inning. Uh, and uh, we'll let you know how it goes. Right now, Nick Morrow sweating this one out like he's, like these are your kids out there probably. Um, and uh, Nick Morrow's the AD for the University of North Florida. Don't take, don't turn your back on I this know. right now. <laughs> I know. You kind of brought me in in a really critical moment here, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, very critical moment. Yeah. So we'll sweat it out together. That's right. right. I like uh, how's it, it going, man? Listen, you guys, this was a late add to your calendar. Well, not late, but late enough in your world. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, what a beautiful week. Eh? Son must be really happy. You and Jay, you are both hosts, co-hosting right. this thing. Uh, the field looks unbelievable. Weather's unbelievable. Crowd's good. I know. Going well, right? It's uh, just what we kind of imagined when we decided to step in. So usually these are awarded years in advance, usually about two years in advance. You can prepare for it. And um, This particular situation, that hurts. Um, this particular situation, Liberty was supposed to host, and when they announced they were going to Conference USA, said, hey, let's look at the championships they were set to host, and if you're not going to be in our league, we're not going to give you that opportunity necessarily, and we volunteered to host with this new stadium, the facility we have. Um, this is the first time we've ever hosted this championship, and we've actually had the facility to do it, and uh, so this is perfect. It's this kind of scenario going in as a three-seed on our home field. Uh, this kind of sets us up to, to make a run. And by the way, good enough to win this whole thing, but obviously there's several good teams, and this is a, always going to be a tight sport anyway. I mean, it comes down to one run, two runs usually. We just saw it as a routine play to shortstop. This is how fast the game is in softball. Routine play at shortstop, beaten out at first base, yeah. and the tying run scores. I mean, it's tough. as uh, it, I mean, that's like an outpitch by the pitcher in baseball, no doubt. Not in softball. It's a fast game. It uh, so the Ospreys trying to hang on. Runners on the corners. Kennesaw State uh, trying to get out of this jam and then go win it maybe in the fifth, sixth, and seventh inning. Yeah. It is cool, though, that you host this all of a sudden. You obviously, got the facility that just popped up right. uh, you know, or expanded with the, the renovations you guys have done. And your softball team is good. So okay, it's like okay. this really this perfect formula. Right. And then, of course, we flourish, bless you, with some pretty good weather on top. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's about as perfect as it could get right now. I think. Yeah, it's fantastic. And we're hosting the A-Sun Track Championships, which this year is the first year they moved from a two-day event to a three-day event. So track gets going tomorrow. Today's the practice day. And so we're going to have softball and track going nonstop uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday on campus. And, and like you said, the weather being perfect. And it's always fun when campus is alive hosting events and even if you look over to baseball you get the whole baseball team at the top of the stadium right now that's watching cool. and stuff like that's what you want out of a, a campus environment so it's really cool to be a part of how's this year gone uh this is you're actually almost one year I in know. the books I mean, it's crazy right i, mean, right. I feel like uh, you've been around this thing for so long here sure. at the university of north florida so it kind of feels like you've been such a key part of it i saw coach moon over here i uh, was working a little bit with the a sun and consulting i think um but how has year one gone for for nick morrow as the ad it's been great i mean it's 
doing this in my hometown around friends and family has really been special. Um, you know, the, a lot of people are paying attention. A lot of people are asking about it, and that's that's what we want. And uh, it's been a lot, no doubt, trying to figure out getting staff hired, organized, kind of painting the vision of who we're going to be. But this summer, you know, we're going to start unveiling renderings and plans for every one of our facilities. We're going to unveil a five-year strategic plan going into next year. So you can see everything we've been working on over this past year is really going to be unveiled over the summer, and we're going to ready go after it, really rock and roll and, and try to be the best in the conference and then make some uh, make some noise on the national level too. Yeah, I was going to I mean, uh, listen, it's cyclical to some degree, right? I mean, some years you're going to be good. Some years you're not going to be as strong. You refresh it. Some other teams are really popping and really good. Uh, who, who knows? Uh, we see it in basketball all the time. If you, if you have a Dallas Moore, you got a chance, right? right? And there's other teams that get that Dallas Moore kind of guy. But how tight is the gap, like, in this conference uh, to be a premier uh, contender every year. I mean, we saw Liberty come in the conference, but they have so sure. much money. I'm not <laughs> sure that's a fair comparison. It is now. And with all due respect to them, a great athletic program, but they also have a lot. They're playing a different game than everybody else in the A-Sun. Right. Uh, is, is the gap tight between all of the participants, or, or are you guys just a notch away from being perennially good in almost any sport in your vision here? Right, and that's... Yeah, yeah, take Liberty out of it. They're literally four times our budget, so we won't use them. And they're leaving, going to the Conference USA, probably where they belong, yeah, you know, that, from a competitive standpoint. So now we look at it and be like, you know, the mark of an athletic department is to win the all-sports trophy. So every time you finish a sport, depending on where you get standings, you get a certain amount of points assigned to you. Whoever that, whatever athletic department has the most points at the end of the year wins the all-sports trophy. So that's a measure of a well-rounded, best athletic department. And so that's where we're trying to build is, yes, winning the premier sports to give you the best exposure, but then also try and go after that all-sports trophy. And honestly, we're making some moves now to really kind of position ourselves to make a run at it. We've finished in the top three multiple times over the past five, six years, I would say we finished, you know, four or five of those five or six years we finished in the top three. We won the men's all-sports trophy three times in a row um, from, like, 15 through 18. Um, and then women's, we've been right there as runner-up a lot of times, too. And so it's, like you said, it's just do you hit it all at the right moment? Um, you know, and so we're trying to build and not just reach success in certain sports, but sustain it. And the things that we're talking about doing from a facility standpoint, from a strategic planning standpoint, is this be able to sustain that success. How many uh, secrets do you have like that you can't wait to share uh, coming up? <laughs> so, I mean, you, you, you know what you're working on, right? Uh, but you probably can't unveil all of that just yet. Right. Is, that, is that kind of tough? You want to almost tell everybody, don't you? Yeah, I mean, we're, uh, we are going to start sprinkling it out throughout the summer, uh, different things that we're going to do. I mean, obviously the arena, we've got $3.3 million worth of work we're going to start first week of June. That'll carry us through about mid-October, even probably right up to the start of basketball. There's going to be some sleepless nights with how much we got going on in there and how tight the timeline is. But we're talking about a new floor, new sound system, updated lighting, new bleacher seating, plus the Bank of England suite, which is going to be really cool on the end zone. Uh, new premium area, donor suite, high class, full liquor bar, 72 premium seats, inside, outside, set up. Like, it's going to be a really cool, um, you know, something unique that you don't see at a lot of venues, period, uh, much less at our, our level and, and for our, um, you know, our, our program. So that's going to be really cool to unveil just in itself. We're going to be announcing a new partnership here in the next few weeks that that helps us get a new arena floor done we're going to unveil the design with that we're going to do a summer project with lighting where we're replacing the lighting at baseball softball and tennis <laughs> new led lighting right now we're below ncaa levels tennis is actually below recreation level wow. and we have top 70 
programs in the country. And they should be better, and we should have a better setup for what them. What does that mean? Like below what? So level? they have lighting levels, um, and they'll come out and measure, you know, different parts of the court or different parts of the field, and they'll tell you what level you're at. And there's a standard for NCAA competition, and there's a standard for broadcast level. We're raising all of our facilities to broadcast level. We've you. invested in ESPN Plus, and you know, and obviously you, you're aware of that, and some of the things we've done. And so now we're able to broadcast anything on this side of campus. So literally every one of our sports, except for golf, we can put on ESPN Plus starting next year. That's cool. And so we want to raise our lighting to the broadcast level as well. But not only that, we'll put a fan experience package into it, and we're doing the same thing in the arena where, um, you know, we can turn the LED lights different colors for intros and and national anthem and stuff like that, and then. If they hit a home run here in softball, I can literally sit in the stands on my phone and start making the lights flash when we hit a home run. Uh, that'll definitely be my job next year. And so, um, but it is, we're really creating a unique fan experience that one not only just enhances the student athlete experience, but makes fans want to come out and have a good time, and then want, we want them to come back. We're talking about not ticketing for most of our events next year, too. We want people in the seats. Interesting. And we want to boost that, that fan experience. And then hopefully we attract new fans, new Osprey Club members. Maybe we sell a premium seat option within the event. But once we get them in there, then then we, we cause no one ever leaves these events saying, well, that was awful. Yeah, like, yeah. it's a quality product. We put up together a good experience. It's just a really nice time. Campus is beautiful. And people are like, man, I've lived in Jacks for 10 years. I've, I've barely ever been on campus. Yeah. Like, I don't want to hear that anymore. We want people coming to campus and enjoying what we've got. Well, and you've got to tell people, there's so many transient people that maybe don't know that, right? Don't know the story right. of the University of North Florida or really a lot of things around Jacksonville sure. because there's so much new uh, in, in the Jacksonville area. Do you guys see that? And I know you're not in the admissions office, but everybody's moving to Jacksonville. Right. Do you guys see an increase? In, does, does that have a domino effect of the amount of people going to UNF or the amount of people aware of UNF or right. the amount of people being recruited by UNF? Is there any correlation? It might not be, by the way. There's big talk right now about enrollment growth at UNF um, amongst uh, university leadership. You know, we're going through a presidential search right yeah. now. Uh, three of the four finalists have been on campus. The next one comes in the next day or two. Oh, they didn't call me back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you may, yeah, you're just in case these four finalists don't make it. You'll get that next Back call. up list. All right. And uh, so we're going to get a new president that will come in with that kind of vision, too, and understand that we've got to grow. So Jacksonville's grown so much that we're at 17,000 students. Based on the population of Jacksonville today, we need to be at 30,000 students. Wow. That's not even accounting for future growth that's coming. Hey, there you go. There you can interrupt your conversation. That's a big hit by Bailey Agigi. How about that? Uh, the nine-hole hitter drives in the go-ahead run here in the bottom of the fifth, so they brushed some good news, Nick Morrow. We got you like the lead that. back before you got off the air. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot going on, so. But you're, but, well, that's, yeah. that's an interesting. 17,000, should be around 30,000. Right, to support this population. Wow. So there's really, and we've got, what's nice about UNF, we have land. We have land yeah, ability true. to expand. I mean, Skinner family just donated 190 acres. We expand towards Kernan. We can expand uh, to the east. We can expand still north. And we've got plans um, as well to go along with that growth. And obviously, as an athletic department, especially one that's dependent on student fees, growth is a really good thing for us. Yeah, good that's point. our main revenue source that allows us to really invest in our programs. And then the all-sports trophy becomes a little more doable because right now what you ASUN conference uh, members have to do is really pick and choose who you're going to invest in. We don't have enough money to invest in everything. So you'll notice who does well at certain sports. Yeah. Like we really do really well at tennis, golf, beach volleyball, some of our spring sports. Others do really well in soccer. Some really do good in outdoor track and field. Well, we haven't invested enough in outdoor track and field to really compete for a team championship. So it's in, if you go through the standards, you can tell who invests 
and more yeah, um, in sense. certain sports. But we want to invest in all of them so we can win all of them. All right, yeah, that'd be good. Let me uh, leave you with this, and we'll get you out of here so you can watch the rest of this game. Uh, Nick Morrow with us, AD here at uh, the University of North Florida. I always think this is a fun time on a college campus in a weird way. School's out, right? It is. Uh, it's my fa- it was like my favorite experience ever when we played baseball. We did well my senior year, and school was out. We didn't have any school, but we were practicing. <laughs> yeah. It was like the it was like you were living like a pro. Right. But but you guys are still working, obviously, and you're working around some of these events. Do you find like it's a, a fun energy, a different energy amongst the athletes now that the stress of exams is yeah. over with, but also it's crunch time, and this is what it's all about. Yeah. The long season is building toward this kind of stuff, championship kind of stuff. Yeah, amazing. Probably one of my favorite months for sure because, like you said, we graduated 56 student-athletes last week. Then now we got baseball, softball, golf sit regionals. Women's golf just wrapped up today, Tallahassee Regional. Men's golf goes to the Yale Regional next week. Uh, we got softball competing for a championship. Baseball's in the hunt for it. Outdoor track champ. And then they'll go to NCAA. So you're right. So this is a really cool time because they can just focus on the sport. Really just, you can tell, like you said, just a little bit of relief the semester's over. Now I can just focus on the sport and hopefully go out and win a championship. It's yeah. a good feel. Yeah, good good, uh, good time to be on the campus of the University of North Florida. Seven. I just want to let you know, like, I was thinking of the idea of trying to heckle the ump the whole game just to get thrown <laughs> out live on radio because I thought it would boost ratings. That would. But out That'd of respect good. to you and the University of North Florida, we've chosen against it. Well, can't we bring Austin back just to get tossed for, like, one game <laughs> or something like that? That's good. He doesn't care. He doesn't know <laughs> yeah, at this point, it doesn't matter. What are you going to do, fire him? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Good to All see right, you, Nick Morrow. Uh, hopefully this game finishes up for you well. We'll take a break. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Osprey's in the lead now, 2-1 to one in the bottom of the fifth and still batting. Hopefully we'll see an Osprey win before the end of our show here today. ESPN 690 rolls on right after this. Welcome back to Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We just had a big inning here at the UNF Softball Complex. We're under review again, Casey Kurtz. Uh, the Owls made a nice play, bobbled the play at second, got a force out at second. They called out. I'm not so sure they were right. I think the Ospreys might win this review. That's what my eyes say. But maybe I have Osprey goggles on. I'm not sure. So are they looking at like a screen? Yeah, they're looking. Well, all the games are on ESPN Plus, right? And so they have a replay ah, monitor. Okay. And uh, just like basketball, when I do the basketball games, they'll come over and look at the replay monitor. Well, yeah. And it's going to be really hard to see this play. But, yeah. I mean, if it's obvious, you're going to be able to, you know, say if, it's, if they got the call right or not. Okay. And they do. They got the call right. You know what? Like, I always think of this. Uh, in, in Major League Baseball, too, and this just happened, and I don't have the names of our umpire and crew. Actually, I think I do. Destiny Robinson, that's who that was. So she makes the call. I thought she was in an awkward position because of the way the play unveiled itself. Uh-huh. But she makes the out call. Like, she had a good view of it. And then so they review it, and she comes out, and she says, out. And there's got to be for an umpire that be like, I told you people I got it right. There you go. Let him know. That is true. Like, you got the pride behind it? Absolutely. Absolutely, right? I mean, listen, it was a close call. I got it right. I say this all the time to when you're, when you're watching your kids play, when it's high school ball, there's so many good teams around here. Games are intense. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody wants to win. Yeah, we're all guilty of probably acting a fool sometimes. Me too. Um, but I, I'll say this about the two things about the umpires, even though I don't mind getting on them once in a while. And especially if they're inconsistent, and especially if uh, uh, one pitcher's pitching. But, um, like, so, like, there's a certain amount. Like, I don't even think the umpires mind with that. 
I do think the constant, the constant blaming, 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 blaming is something in our society that, like, we are, like, if you're still an hour and a half after the game still blaming the umpire for a loss, unless it was just, like, the most egregious thing ever, like, I think you're doing it wrong, you know? Um, yeah. Sure, there's always going to be questionable plays. There's always going to be close plays. There's a lot of close plays in, in every level of ball. But I'm telling you, I video every game that my kids play or uh, that I can. Mm-hmm. And I will tell people in the stands on a close play at the plate, close play at first, close play anywhere, not the balls and strike stuff. That's more debatable. But the plays at the bases, I will say – you might think they got it wrong because you're wearing a certain color glasses for your team and you see it a certain way and you're a bit biased. But 99% of the time I go back and I slow that play down frame by frame on my video, those damn umpires are right. Like, it's amazing how many times they're right. Yeah. And I think it just happened again out here. And, and so it's um, – and by the way, the other part of it is, like, you have to watch even some of the plays that I'll see at the high school level that they do get right or even might have got wrong. You have to slow it down and watch it, like, 50 times before you really know. Right. It's, it's just amazing in this sport. And probably it's – see, it's so much more subjective in, like, football and even in basketball and foul calls. But, like, in this sport, you'd think it would be more matter-of-fact – and you wouldn't think there'd be that many close plays. Yet, every night at every park in America, there are plays that are so close. And there are usually multiple plays in every game that are so close. Like, it is really not an easy job no. to be an umpire. And they do a terrific job out at the bases. Like, that's my part about the replay stuff, even in Major League Baseball. It's like, those guys get those calls right, like, 99% of the time, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'll agree like, with do you. Do we need it? Do we need, again, replay, in my opinion, is there for the egregious mistake. And some people make really bad mistakes. And you should be able to correct it with our technology. But the frame by frame, like, did he slide off the bag and his foot just there's separation and air coming between the bag and the cleat? Like, come on. Like, why are we doing that? Got to get it right, Brent. Again, it's like these guys, these guys are right in my opinion, around the bases especially, as much as, like, kickers used to make extra points. So it used to be automatic. It's just about automatic. Yeah. Like, seriously, if you break down the numbers. Now, again, balls and strikes, different story, because that has some interpretation to it. Um, but uh, I just think it's uh, – the, the umps are right a lot. I mean, they really are. So shout out to, to My all cousin's the an umpire. Um, really? Like – would you want to be an umpire? I did it once. wasn't fun. I, it, it was like little kids. I got yelled at. It was it was an interesting experience. Like, I, I think I would. Like, I think it's a cool part, to, cool way to be a part of the game. I, I do think like some of the stuff they take is is over the top. Um, I'll tell you something else. Like I've heard this from umpires that. A lot of umpires, like the youth umpires, like doing softball more than baseball. And the reason being is because the baseball guys won't let it go. Like six innings later, they're still talking about a call in the first inning. And the, even the boys and the, the baseball players, like, start thinking about it, talking about it, chirping about it. The girls and the coaches in softball, for the most part, they get over it faster is what I've been told. 
they move on faster. And the girls are smiling like three pitches later. And so I always thought it was really interesting that as I talked to a guy last year, and he did like the travel ball world and did like 18 games in a weekend. And he's like, no, I'm never doing baseball. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah, isn't that an interesting description about I never thought of it that way? Yeah. Um, and by the way, this game is so dang fast that you probably have more close games in softball than you do in baseball. Oh, yeah. 100%. I would think. I mean, yeah, everything's faster than softball. So, yeah, I would agree with that. So, Fran Delaney's in charge of, like, the – I think he's just in charge of the um, Jacksonville Umpires Association. And um, I will actually, like, send him stuff sometimes just for interpretation. That, like, if I don't know the rule or if I'm confused on the rule uh, because uh, – and I never send it out on, on Twitter or anything like that, um, even if an ump got it wrong. But – I just want to know from my knowledge of the game. There's so many things that happen at a ball field that's like, I can't believe that just happened, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, we see that all the time in Major League Baseball still. Like, some of these stats that happen, it's like, that hasn't happened before. Otani hits his first Grand Slam ever just the other night. Did you believe Aaron Judge just walked off for the Yankees for the first time in his career? Yeah, like, I feel he hadn't agreed. hit a walk-off before? Yeah, agreed. I didn't know that until it happened, obviously. So back to would you like to be an umpire or an official? I didn't know we were going to get on this, but here we go. I mean, I love organic sports radio sometimes, just how we get here. The I think I would to stay in the game. I think it's a cool way to stay in the game. I got an old sports director, a buddy of mine, um, up in Albany. He does, like, his uh, girls played lacrosse. And so he went and got his officiating whatever in, in lacrosse. And he does a lot of games because he really enjoyed watching the games. His kids have moved on from the game. And so uh, he does lacrosse games. All right. And I was like, that'd be a cool way to stay in the game a little bit. But we always do. I brought up Fran's name because uh, I I always want to do this story where we go incognito for a story and be the umps for a game and get mic'd up and nobody's supposed to know it's us for TV. That would be cool. And then just to hear what the umpires hear. That's true. And again, I am not, by the way, calling the kettle black here. Like, I can be guilty of it. Been guilty of it. Like, and I do believe there's, like, a certain part of it that's, like, okay. Like, it's okay to, like, not agree. It's just kind of the way you, get, you do it sometimes. Um, but I've listened back to myself a time or two, and I'm like, that might be a little too strong. Man, we can't win them all, Brent. Yeah, but you, you like to be better. But in the well, moment, sure. it gets heated. It's intense. It's, it's going to be intense tomorrow over there at Oakleaf High School when Creekside's playing. Yeah, it is. Big game. Yeah, Brent's going to get after him. <laughs> <laughs> Brent, I'll get to- Brent. Maybe I should come and get tossed. I really want to get tossed as a fan. Tossed, now. No, you don't want to get tossed. In the- you don't want to get tossed in the high school game, though. As a fan, I do though. Yeah, I don't know. Like here, okay. If it's going poorly in terms of balls and strikes, you call me immediately. First inning, I'll get there. I'll get tossed. <laughs> uh, we got some jumping up and down going on here. I didn't even update this, by the way. The Ospreys scored three times when Nick Morrow was on in the last half inning. They're up four to one now. Uh, through uh, five and a half. So uh, good stuff for the your University of North Florida. Yeah. And I'm not inviting you to the Creekside game to get tossed, by the way, okay? Uh, I'm just going to show up. I know where it's at. I probably can get yelled at myself from the umpires. Okay. Um, I'm just trying to help, Brent. Yeah, I hear you, though. Come out here, though, and get tossed. I don't care. Is there a game after this one, by the way, since it's like a tournament? No, it's know. really wild. Like the sep- Tomorrow's the big day with four games here. So if the Ospreys win, they'll play again at 10 a.m. Uh, but this is the only game here today because, again, they're split in time with uh, Jacksonville University as well. Ah, 
Um, Would you like to be an umpire or an official? No. Mm. I think people want to say yes, though. But then when you're in it for a bit, they're like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah, I would say it's one of those things. You got buyer's remorse for sure once you're in it. <laughs> hey, you get paid decent nowadays, though. It ain't bad money, I will tell you that. We'll be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. ESPN 690. We're live at the UNF Softball Complex. Speaking of complexes, I almost have one sometimes when I'm on the radio. Not like all the time, but sometimes in these settings. Because I'm seriously, I mean, how close am I to home plate? Like 20 feet? Close, for sure, yeah. Maybe 20 feet. Maybe a shade more. But not, not, not much more. I'm trying to count the steps right now. It's about seven paces, eight paces. Yeah, so 20 to 30 feet, let's just say. And then there's also people right here trying to enjoy the game. And so I'm like, Steph will tell me when I, when during the pandemic, when I did the show from home, she's like, I remember doing one in the backyard and she was like, you are like yelling. Like you can hear you all the way down the street. Jeez. I was like, I'm just projecting. I just have some good energy today, I guess. I don't know. Um, but now like that's in my head a little bit. And so when I went to the Combine, the same thing was happening. Like, I didn't realize it for, like, the first two hours of the show a couple years ago. We're at the Combine. We're inside the convention center. They're doing, like, weightlifting uh, stuff, like, how many times can you bench 225? And here I am, got a show three to six, and I'm just, like, talking to myself, but kind of loud enough where I do kind of feel people looking at me a little bit. Yeah. So I was like, eh, whatever. I don't know any of these jokers. Get them. Um, and, like, I don't really care here either, except, like, I don't want to, like – I don't want to disrupt their enjoyment of watching the game. Right. But I don't right. think I'm lot loud. Like I don't. I'm not sensing that people are looking at me to that degree. I mean, like, man, shut up. I mean, or you, tone it down. You just gotta look around. You know. I am. Like, Maybe no, go I, pull I, the I'm, audience. Like if you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Twitch, like the game is behind me, and where I'm facing, like there's about 35 people. Like, well, not that many. You just got a lot quieter, by the way. Watching the game. Well, I just called out the people watching the game, so I got a little quiet. Got my golf voice. Mm -hmm. So 25 people watching the game. So, but they're not really like looking at me much. So I guess I'm, maybe I'm not yelling. You should ask the closest person if you're too loud. I've thought about it. I'm kind of I'm kind of enjoying just the figuring out process right now. Like, do you think those people now know that you're talking about them? No, not a, I don't think so. You, you literally no. keep getting quieter. I think you're a little concerned, Brent. No, nah, I'm not. But I kind of feel like that'd be fun to just talk about them and see if they were to hear something. Yeah, just wait till they look <laughs> yeah. over. Like, move the camera on the people and see if they catch on. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I still think, like, it'd be the greatest show in the world to do something like that. Like, just go in the middle of any, like, a town center and just be constantly, like, videoing people and doing play-by-play -play of what they're doing, and they have no idea if you're doing that or not. That would be good. I think it'd be entertaining. And in today's day and age, it'd be highly entertaining. I think it'd be good. I think you got an you idea know? there, Brent. So I just don't want to be the one. Like, I wouldn't be, like, I need to hire somebody to do that. You got to be, it, it, it wouldn't, it doesn't fit me. But I think it would be a lot of fun to do. Uh, Brett Morton, Casey Kurtz, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Um, we don't talk a lot of college football recruiting, but something caught my attention. I've seen it uh, like twice in the last week and a half, and the latest one is that Arch Manning is going to 
he's like the number one prospect of the 23 class, obviously mm-hmm. related to the Mannings. And he is going to visit Florida, I guess, going to visit the Swamp in the summer. And I, But previously, I, like last week, I saw that like Arch Manning was doing this, this, this. And I was like, wait a minute, he's not committed yet? Yeah. It was interesting. Like I just kind of got lost in the shuffle in the recruiting world. I'm like, he's not. Why isn't he committed yet? How odd is it? that the number one prospect of the 23 class in football is not committed in a day and age where we see 8th graders, ninth graders, 10th graders. This kid just is completing his 11th grade year, and he's not committed. Yeah, I mean, I guess it comes down to, like, you want to make the right decision. I don't see Arch Manning being a guy that's, like, verbal commit, then uncommits, then goes somewhere else. Like, I think he'll make his decision and kind of roll with it. And I think he just wants to make sure he's got everything uh, checked out and been everywhere he wants to go, like Florida or like Georgia. We know he's been to Georgia. We know he's been to Old Miss. He's been all over. But he's also got the advice of Eli and Peyton and everybody in that family telling him to – giving him advice, let's just say. So I think it's surprising, but at the same time it's not because he's going to vet out the whole situation. I'm just glad the Gators are in the mix. Will he go there? Absolutely not. But I, I'm just – you know, I'm not super surprised, but I do get where you're coming from. Yeah, I was surprised. I guess Georgia, Alabama, and Texas are the The top schools. Like, that just came out, I guess. Um, LSU and Florida also on the radar. Ole Miss is in the radar, too. And Ole Miss, too? Yes. Um, But I I think in this day and age, man, that's just really odd. And it also doesn't show you if you're that good that you can wait. Like, see, if, if there's a kid, let's just say he's the 12th best quarterback in the country right now, and he's the class of 23. See, that kid, I believe, is getting pressured to commit ASAP before I fill up this spot with the sixth-ranked guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, or, yeah. Or even the sixth-ranked guy in the next-year class, like the 24 class, mm-hmm. or the best guy in the 24 class. I'm saying, like, hey, man, you got to – like, that's the way the recruiting world works. And so – I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm lost on it because, again, I'm not locked into that stuff. Um, I don't like a college team enough to care about it, like, that much. Right. Um, I, I would pay attention more locally if Arch Manning was in, from Jacksonville. But I just think I wonder if he's so good that he's the one that can dictate the pace of this. And are we about to see a little bit of a change in times when it comes to the recruiting, especially for the big guns? Because – if he is going to wait, that might be smart because he can see how the transfer portal works itself out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying on that part, but I think I think he starts day one no matter where he goes and no matter who the quarterback is. So, like, yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, watch and see where guys transfer, but I think if he goes to Alabama, he's playing. Yeah, and by the way, like, I understand that there's an early signing day now in December, and... Uh, what is his name? The kid that spurned uh, FSU and went to to play for Dion. Like he, obviously, they decide late. Guys decide late, like or or later, like mm-hmm. December. So it's not like it's too late for Arch Manning. I'm not saying that, but I think by, for a lot of these top guys, especially the quarterbacks, I feel like a lot of them would be committed by now. And keep in mind, also, guys like Arch Manning usually go early enrollment. So he's really only got like six months left of high school. True. Before yep. he ends up on a college campus, if he's going to choose to do that. So, I don't know. I just thought when I saw his name pop up a couple times, I was like, wow, I, I didn't realize he'd be still, like, waiting and deciding. But I like it for the kid, man. Take take your time. 
The more mature you are when you can make that decision, in my estimation, the better. <laughs> we got football at five coming up. Uh, the UNF Ospreys lead 4-1 to one in the seventh. They're a couple outs away from advancing in the ASUN Softball Championship. It might happen by the time we come back. Football at five, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 next. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu.